Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. The show was always hobbled in some way. Mentally with Ari around. I was doing some... uh, Physically with Adam around. Sure. You're in a bubble! So get out of the bubble, talk to real people. There's no less healthy show in the country! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Football, 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 football. A lot of football coming up this hour. We're going to try to track down uh, Anthony Beck, who's a friend of the show, played in the NFL, worked in media around the Jets, is now an XFL coach in St. Louis. Adam Hill is here. He's the company. Ari, Steve Cofield, Finley Toyota Studios. We were just talking about Hard Knocks debuting tonight, and uh, I forgot all about it, and now I'm very excited. I'm I'm definitely uh, right in on the tease board, so I remember. I'm definitely going to ask Anthony Beck about watching Hard Knocks and if like old football players like it. Does it get the juices flowing? We had Ronnie Lott on yesterday in the five o'clock hour. I thought Ronnie was going to cry on multiple occasions. Like he he just talked about the Hall of Fame and just being around all the fellas. He sounded so happy. It was awesome. And the thing is, you know, it's funny with you and I. I always talk about it. I love hard knocks because I love the football mentality. I love the management of a football team. The practices and the instruction are direct, right? There is no freaking dancing around it. Especially with Dan Campbell. I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see that guy because he's the big galoot. Like while I would like to play for cerebral guy, I want to really be coached by big galoot. And the funny thing is you and I are at practices almost every day. And yet we watch hard knocks and we, like, we still are fired up. Like I, the few times I've been out to the Raiders camp, like I, 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 I loved watching Josh McDaniels. He freaking was, I don't know what it was 10 days ago. He just like just some drill and Malcolm Koontz didn't do something. Like, like just fired up. Like what the hell is going on here? Yesterday at uh UNLV practice, they end the practice the D linemen all come over. They got a lot of big D linemen, right? These guys are all, you know, six foot up to six four, you know, two eighty to three fifteen. They're big fellas. And the D line coach comes over and he's like, "All right, let's make a circle here." And they're getting ready to do burpees after practicing for like two and a half hours. I'm like, "Oh!" And Marcus Arroyo walked by and he was just like, like the biggest smile on his face. He loved it because coaches coaches love adversity, right? They love, hey, if you didn't get the job done that day, we're doing burpees, right? Like, how awesome would I? I was telling you during the break, uh, I lost my way during the interview with Miles Simmons, right? I, I kind of let into a question the way I didn't want to, and I'm hypercritical that way. And I think about it 40 minutes later, like, we need someone in here and go, what, what was that? How many times have you done an interview, Cofield? Burpee right now. I'm like, I'm tired. I can't do it. That would be awesome. You're going to run it in this studio? Uh, bro, enough room. you know, I will, I will come in tomorrow. I think this year, this year is going to be the first year where I will come in tomorrow because I always want Lotus for the month. Like August should be football month and we all get to yell at each other. Like you, if you're, if things aren't done for football season, we're running it like a freaking coach, right? So tomorrow I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to bring in my own chalkboard and list everything that has been lagging for the last five months on the show and around the station. Well, and then every day, every day we're going to go back to the board. Why can't we do that? Should. And what happens every time I talk about hard knocks, I start hyperventilating because I get 
so worked up. I'm so I'm, ready for this. I'm, I'm ready. I, I mean, I think the next five minutes out of me is going to be on the board for lacking. Because <laughs> I, I think you might have seen my face when we came back. I just got devastated by a tweet, and I can't regain my... You're going to have to. I can't. You, you got to focus, all right? Be a professional. Whatever the tweet was, it goes down at 524, okay? I can't. Please. Can't do it. Yes, you can. It's on my screen still. I'm yes. just looking. I'm staring Go, at it. That's it. Go do a lap. Go run around the building right now. <laughs> when you come back, you can join the show. You got to focus. How many times have we talked about this? All right, Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So last night I'm checking out your paper. I don't even know how old the story was, but I'm looking at the RJ and I see a story about the boring company. Right, which I'm I'm still very leery of. Have you gotten feedback on this? Because the latest report is, well, you know, towards the end of this whole project, there is going to be a stop. This is the Elon Musk tunnels with what was supposed to be like big vehicles, and apparently, I, I, how, how what is what does this vehicle hold? The like car seven. It looks like a normal Five? car, right? I think it's like a four person car. Like I don't get the system. Like, shouldn't we have? Shouldn't it be capacity for like twenty plus people? So anyway, That's what I thought. They're planning on 55 stops, which I, I, I got to see this before I believe it. And then the big news was, hey, there's going to be a stop down by Allegiant. Nice. In, 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 in sedans that hold five people? They seem to be opening up the stops pretty quickly. Like, I want this to work. Me too. I think it'll be for any, any – you love public transportation. <laughs> Fantastic. Anything that can reduce some traffic going to events down on the strip would be awesome. Well, it's, it's going to happen. When has Elon Musk ever committed to something that he didn't do? Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> you were kidding. Yes. All right. So clearly it's going to happen. I saw they were very bullish. Michael Naft, who is the Clark County Commissioner, you know, down near his region is down near the stadium, and I believe south. So he was very bullish on making sure that the boring company can get all the way down to where that NBA arena might happen across from the premium outlet mall south. Oh. How far down are these tunnels? Do, we, do you really want to get into tunnel yes. technology? Yes, because... But I don't think you know anything about it. So I what don't. kind of conversation are we going to have? No, because the hotels on the Strip go very far below ground. Hmm. Okay. So how far down are we going for this thing? I don't know. Maybe we need to book a guest and get more enthusiastic about I don't about think anybody thing. actually knows. 55. making the whole thing up. 55 stops. <laughs> yeah. With five passenger cars. I've I've... Done. The, have you done the videos where you ride along for like stop to stop? No. Down around uh, like Resorts World and the no. Convention Center. It's cool. Okay. I enjoy it. How how are you, Mister Vegas, and you've never been in the the boring tunnels? I haven't gone yet. It hasn't, it hasn't gone where I need to go yet. Huh. You know who's been in the boring tunnels? Who? Harash. I did watch that video. Actually, it's embarrassing on your part. Do you want to get this mantle back at Mr. Vegas, Mr. Sports Vegas, Mr. Vegas Media, or not? No, I already I've I already took uh, Mr. Downtown LA from him and Mr. San Diego. You t- Mr. Down, how'd you do that, Mr. Downtown LA? I stayed there enough, and I said you owe it. You owe it to me now, and he agreed. So you guys traded? Yeah, he said I could be downtown LA, but not all of LA. That's not the best trade. I love downtown LA. You got ripped off in that Plus trade spot. Number four, Katie, Mr. Brooklyn, for how much longer? Not very. I, if I'm Joe Sy, and so if you missed the story yesterday, it finally comes out. Kevin Durant, I guess, is okay playing with Kyrie Irving. You never know day to day with 
KD, especially if it's social media KD, because then he, he's very unpredictable. He's very sensitive. So now his latest demand is, I'll I'll stay around, but you got to get rid of the coach and the GM. And then Joe Sy, who's a billionaire. I think it's one, one or the other. Oh, it's one or the other. Yeah, he said he doesn't want the combination of them. Okay. He doesn't like how they work together. I mean, this is pretty dangerous territory for a player, or is it? Hey, LeBron gets to decide what sure. he wants. Hasn't always worked, though. No. When a player has too much of the GM in duties, doesn't always work. Does could it? Isn't KD aloof enough? Do you just tell him they're gone. Like, no, that GM's gone, man. And you just don't <laughs> have. Just, the, you just he, don't have Sean Marks come around the facility even, at all. He just won't even for know. A year. Even if he does, we're like, oh, didn't I play for you before? Yeah, KD. Like I watched. I don't know if you watched it. I wa- I watched the David Letterman show with Durant. It's the weirdest episode, and he's had some weird. You're talking about the long form interview show. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. He did like an hour with Kevin Durant. Yes. Was it good? It's weird. First of all, Letterman is like begging to be his friend. That's weird. They played shuffleboard against each other. Really? They both got very competitive. Okay. But I really expected to kind of learn a lot about KD because that's what that interview show does. Like you really get to know the person. But KD's just out. I, I. Him and Marshawn may have been hanging out. The Marshawn that's in the that's in the mugshot may have been hanging out with KD. He was weird. Okay. So I don't know what was going on. And there were some weird moments in the interview. It just you I'll didn't you don't out. learn a lot about KD necessarily. But I just got the feeling that you could just I think he's very, very intelligent, but I also think he's kind of checked out in a lot of ways. Just tell him he's gone. Marks is gone. Just come play. What are the Nets going to do? I think you have to trade KD. I mean, if that's if that's his demand, and you you're not going to try to trick him. <laughs> that's your plan to either trick him first or trade him. Watch the show. I I think you'll think that you maybe can trade. Maybe him. I'll get it. Yeah, but the but if if you are going to be this team, I think I think what Joe Sy is saying is I'm not going to allow a player to have that much power. I don't think it's necessarily about him loving Marks or Nash that much. It's just more, I'm not going to allow this to happen. And if you want to take that stand, that's fine. But then you kind of have to trade him. He is the kind of guy that would just stop playing, right? If he really was unhappy. Well, that, that's what I want to push it to. And, you know, the Nets don't move him. And then just, hey, here's the ultimatum. You can play or you can't. Whatever. Don't play. You can't have that an asset that valuable as a business and not use it. It's not like it's ever happened in the NBA before. They just went through it last year. You know, out of their control a bit with the yeah. uh, the COVID stuff and the vaccination with Kyrie. I'm not trading him for nothing. No, I think I think you can still get a lot for him. How about we all act like adults and all sit in a room and figure out what the problem is? How about that? Well, it's Marks or Nash. Can we do that? Can we have Nash, Marks, and Durant sit down and work this out? Everything can be worked out. Maybe. I mean, he's at a point. If you you're just said public, he's, not a, he's, he's not an ass. He's a smart guy. They can't get to him in a conversation or two. Come on. I think tricking him might be the better way to go. I be- Let's just talk it out. <laughs> I believe in that. Tricking him might be the way to go. Number three. All right, we were just talking about football practice. And I, I can, you're on the Raiders. I'm at UNLV. And uh, UNLV is, I think, nine in. I don't, what, what are the Raiders in, you know, like 12 days, whatever they are. There does come a point where you can see, like, it sucks here yeah. practicing. It's friggin' hot. Like, I'd be, if I were a player, I'd be super agitated. Um, at some point, something's going to break out. And maybe it's maybe it's a good thing. But what happened with the Raiders today? Was there a little uh, 
little dust up. So they had a pass rush drill going on, and let's just say that for a certain second year right tackle, things weren't going great. Oh no! Like Max Crosby was teaching some lessons to some. Certain second-year players that were picked in the first round last year. Don't, don't give uh, out the inside information no, no, no. from the practice. No one will be able no. to figure out that second-year right tackle no. thing. Uh, so it was it was getting pretty ugly. And he, then he was kind of going on some other guys. And we know Max Crosby goes 1,000 miles an hour. Which, by, which by the way, can really be annoying. Of course. Uh, and that's why I'm pointing it out. How much are the Raiders allowed to hit each other now on the lines? Not that much, but they were, they were going pretty good. Right. In this drill. And you can see it was... It was starting to ratchet up a little bit. Yep. And you could see, like, okay, yep. something might be coming. <laughs> and Max Crosby went to the inside, and he lined up over Dylan Parham. Parham got some help, but he had a really good rep. Like, a really good rep against Max Crosby. And I was like, oh, look. Oh. And then I said, what? What? The rep's over. Like, why are they still going? Oh, yeah? Like, why is he still blocking him? And why is Crosby still trying to get to the quarterback? And then they just started throwing. Like, it was on. And within seconds... The entire team was like piled up on, on yeah. them in the middle. Yeah. It was great. It was a good, a good little battle. You, and I said, you could see it coming a little. What bit. do you think the coaches thought of that? I think they liked it probably. Yep. yep. Especially yep. Parham, a Especially rookie that's like, Parham. all right, let's yep. go. Taking Next. on, taking on one of the the heads of the team. Yeah. Of you know, beast rusher on the outside. Let's go. And coming, it's. I don't want to make it look like it was strictly like, hey, he's abusing Alex Leatherwood, <laughs> second year tackle uh, i don't want to make it look you, like you just, you slipped. You that he was just abusing him and yeah. that's why like the rest of the line stepped up for him but i think it was part of it and yeah I, th- I think it got to a point where the offensive line was getting whooped and they said all right enough of this and and i liked it and i think they immediately broke it up and then started practicing again and they, they were back at practice and they were going so I, I think the coaches probably thought all right let's go let's keep going and i thought the practice the intensity certainly picked up a little bit for the rest of the practice Number two. When will it be announced that Brandon Parker is on IR? Could be tomorrow. Okay. But what's, we don't what's know. The, do you know what the injury is? It, it sounds like it's a triceps, okay. which if it's fully torn, he will be out for the year. Okay. I don't think they know that yet. Right. And so there was some speculation. So I'll just walk through because I know that there's people that follow certain people on social media. Right. And blogs there's and there's some bloggers and content creators who, you know, can can are allowed to jump the gun because you can be wrong in those positions. So and I, so two days ago, hey, Brandon Parker's going on IR, and then you know our guy Vinny on Raider Nation Radio 920 says, well, that's not true. Well, and or, he or, didn't say. I'm go, sorry, no. Parker has been put on IR. Vinny responded, that's not true, right. which could mean he's just not on IR yet. Correct. So my belief right now is that they are doing further testing. Like, and again, this is not from anybody necessarily, but I. So I got the I got the heads up, like I think a couple other reporters did, and I assumed some of the same people talked to some of the bloggers and the social media people and told us, hey, Parker's going on Aria's out for he's out for the year. And we I will say this right away, I have a pretty good relationship with uh Brandon Parker's agent, texted him, uh obviously texted some people in the organization. Forgot that's right. You do, yeah. you do have a good relationship yeah. with that agent. Uh, texting some people in the organization, and they they were saying like, "No, we don't know. We're still trying to figure some things out." And so the blog and the Twitter people put out right away, "He's on IR." Factually, he is not on IR. There is an IR list released every day. Right. They've had two since this report came out. He has not been placed on IR. Is he hurt? 
Yes, he was hurt in the locker room Thursday. He was holding his arm. He clearly looked hurt. He left the game for a little bit, came back in. He looked hurt. So is he hurt? I believe yes, his arm is hurt. I don't think they fully understood the extent, and I don't think they're committed, and they don't have to be right now. Like If they're still doing tests, if it's partially torn, he can miss six weeks. If it's fully torn, he's out of the year. So I think they're still trying to work through those things. So could he be placed on IR at some point? Absolutely. But he is not right now. And that was the report that was out there, that he has been placed on IR. That is not true. Number one. Is Josh McDaniels exactly what you expected so far? Or is he different from what was reported? Because a lot of us had a negative impression of him from his failed stint in Bronco land. Before you answer, Chris Sims was talking about it on his podcast. Sims actually got to play around McDaniels and early returns for him is that Josh has changed. But I remember being there and that place being on culture shock. Whoa, the New England way and Josh are wearing our ass out. I remember at the end of the training camp, I mean, you don't ever hear coaches and trainers complain. And they were complaining at the end of the training camp. And Josh McDaniels had only been there for like three months Mm because it was just such a grueling schedule. And, you know, they weren't used to the New England way and all the detailed and scrutinizing of every little thing, right? Is he not doing that? He's not doing that now. It's the one thing I just, I know he's talked to me about it. He talked to me at the combine about it, how he was going to approach things differently, and he might have you know, ruled too much with an iron fist the first time around. On the way back, we'll hear a little more from uh, NFL analyst Chris Sims, who played in the NFL, played at Texas, of course, the son of Phil Sims, his experience with Josh McDaniels. Adam can address it. He's out there every single day. Uh, have you seen the growth in Josh McDaniels from an approach standpoint? It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Hot Squad gets uh, ripped off the field in three games. They lose 20-4. to four. Manny Machado afterwards is, is like, no, everything's fine. And they're like, how do you know that? Because I'm effing Manny Machado. Are the Padres fine? They lost three games. I mean, I, I don't know what else he's supposed to say. Is he supposed to say, yeah, it looks like we're screwed. There you go, Dave Koken, giving no Fs. No Fs. Uh, Von Tobel came on later, and he was like, I'm fading the Padres. Overrated, overpriced. Overrated, overpriced. Uh, Pods tonight, 165 against San Francisco, reeling San Francisco team, and then Dodgers, 235 against... Minnesota. So we were just talking about Josh McDaniels and, you know, the early returns in terms of the way he runs a team, uh, his approach. We heard horror stories about him in, you know, Denver at 32 years old. And Chris Sims was talking about an NFL analyst and Sims was around him as a player. And he said it was culture shock. You know, you have these Belichick guys come in and they want to be mini Belichick and everyone in the organization is like, whoa, can we warm up a little bit? McDaniels seems to be different this time around. He's learned his lessons. And Sims also pointed out uh, McDaniels also did a better job of making sure he had a lot of people around him who were Belichickian. I think the biggest thing is he's got a coaching staff this time and people in the front office who have been there with him, either in New England or in Denver in these places, so they know what they've signed on for. So it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're working this hard and we have to be here this late. By the way, jumping from a coordinator, even if you're a decorated coordinator to a head coach, is a big jump. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It just is. And I think even more than having the guys around him that are that are also Belichickian that he didn't really last time, I think I think it's more he 
got a job. He was so young, and he just tried to do an impression of Belichick. And I think that what he's doing now is taking a lot of what he learned from Belichick and applying it to how he wants to be as a coach. And I think that might sound the same, but it's very, very different. And and I think he's he's understanding that he can be himself, still take those lessons, but put them into into play as you would running your own team, not as you doing an impression of the other guy. And and that is a very important difference that, that he's found this time around. Three six four eleven hundred. Caller six and seven. Each get a pair of tickets. Rob Zombie, Mudvayne, and Powerman uh, Power five thousand. Mick Ultra Arena. Again, this Saturday, you can get your own tickets at axs.com this Saturday. Multiple winners here. Caller 6 and 736-4100 to see Rob Zombie. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Remember what last year was about? Like, oh, first game and, oh, he'll be back. Yeah. Nah, a whole year. I mean, this is almost like Clay Thompson. Two years in a row, not seeing him come back, coming back from an injury, get injured again. Ugh, he's running out of time. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Barton on, Bart Scott. Man, New York radio gets melancholy real quick. I'm not saying anyone should be happy about Makai Becton, but he's running out of time. I mean, and, you know, you want him healthy. Was he 23? Yeah, it's like, it sucks. It sucks. The injury sucks. He's down for the year. We'll get into a little Jets talking a little bit, but uh, at hand first is what's going on in the XFL. We're very excited about this league. Oh, yeah. We're very excited about the possibilities. Anthony Becht, of course, former NFL player. He's been an analyst and uh, media guy around the Jets and also around the Buccaneers and gives Cofield and company here in Vegas a couple minutes. How are you? Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Uh, we're good. You're doing better than us. You just got a new job, and I think the I XFL did. the XFL is going to be freaking gigantic when it, it comes around. So tell people about how this came together and uh, what team you're coaching. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it came together really August 2020, you know, when the when DJ and Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital bought the XFL uh, through bankruptcy. That's when I kind of got persistent on, you know, I, I want one of these jobs. And, uh, you know, listen, I – when every rock, every stone, anything I could do to get in front of the right people so that I can sit down and sell a vision that I had. The one thing about it, the spring league is I love is that being a part of the AAF, it really was the purest form of coaching for me. I felt like these guys had chips on their shoulders. There were players that, you know, they, they, they wanted the knowledge. They wanted to be taught. They wanted to develop because they wanted to make it to the league. And I just felt like, you know, these guys were hungry and they were very easy to coach. So, uh, you know, Mike March was the head coach, took me under his wing. I really learned a lot about it. Obviously, my experiences from being a player a long time and media and, you know, being part of the NFL on the legend side, helping guys transition throughout the NFL, all those factors kind of came together. So when I did sit in front of ownership and I did sell vision, it was in line for what they wanted for one of their head coaches. And I'm just humbled to, and blessed to be in that situation. And, and now I get to do it my way, put my staff together, get my players and, and try to, you know, win a championship. So fired up. I'm the St. Louis head coach. Uh, you know, they're going to announce all the, the logos, team names, and everything that come with that over the next couple months. But fired up to be really in the best city, uh, in my opinion, from the 2020 version. they got a ton of fans that are awesome. They're, they're ready to get dived in, and I can't, really be, can't, get, 
Can't wait to get ready to go. Well, first of all, Las Vegas will be the best city in the XFL. Oh, so you guys can be uh, second. I forgot about that. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but, but break in for a second here. Anthony was talking about the fan base that is there. Sure. We're not exactly sure that Vegas will yeah. come out. You know, I mean, they did 22 years ago yeah. with the Vince's League, but... Uh, you know, I, I mean, give, give St. Louis credit. They have good fans. I think we're in. But I think the most important thing that we just heard, are you close enough to The Rock to call him DJ? How do we get on that level? You know, it's interesting. You ah. know, when I've met a lot of obviously famous <laughs> people in my life. But when you have a conversation and, and you meet The Rock, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive, pretty surreal. But, man, what a, what a passionate guy. I mean, this is something that's near and dear to his heart. You know, he talks about being that 54th guy that just didn't have that opportunity. And uh, this is something he's driven to make, you know, not just this year, next year, but long term. So ownership's great. I don't know where it came. I, I, I feel like I call him Dwayne, DJ. I don't call him The Rock. I feel like that's <laughs> that probably weird? the one thing I don't tell him yeah. by his face. But, you know, I think DJ and Dwayne is pretty – he goes by that pretty well. And he basically told us that's, you know, that, that's fine. So, hey, whatever he wants, I'll do. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, you talked about the, you know, putting the staff, the philosophy, that sort of thing. What is your philosophy as a head coach? Yeah, you know, so I obviously had a great opportunity playing for five organizations in my career. Uh, seven head coaches. You know, two guys got fired in season when I was with St. Louis and uh, also with the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, I got to learn a lot. And then, of course, after the fact, you know, I coach him with guys like Mike Martz and uh, Marvin Lewis through the NFLPA Collegian All-Star Game every year. You know, you really do attain a lot of knowledge. I mean, I was very studious, detailed, on, uh, and meticulous, really, of just listening to everything that was brought my way as a player over 12 seasons. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of knowledge there. And I feel like, for me, my style is, number one, it's a changed game. It's a changed player. The generation is different. You really have to un- know and understand your players. So, you know, number one, I think that from, from my team and putting it together, they're going to be a team that I'm going to know well, I'm going to get to know well, I'm going to understand, you know, what it takes to get their juices going. I mean, that, that's what's important for a head coach. I want these guys to run through a wall for me and believe in what we're doing. And quite frankly, you know, just the detail orientation, the high character, everything that I did as a player that I felt like got me 12 years in the NFL, you know, that's what these guys are looking for. So, you know, to me, I felt like they were soaking in everything that I had, that I had to offer as a position coach in a spring league. Well, as a head coach, now I get to put the great staff together, guys that are going to be all for the players, helping them really succeed, max out their skills. So at the end of the day, at the end of the season, these players know that, okay, this is where I stand. I either got better and I can make it to the top and, and get my chance in the NFL, or they can live with no regrets knowing that you know when they're on the field, they gave it their all, they were able to polish and develop their skill set to the max, and if it wasn't good enough, they know it's time to move on. So that, that's what this league's all about. That's how I'm going to be. And, of course, just you know, putting them in the best situations to succeed. So uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a great opportunity. And uh, hopefully I can get myself together a championship team. Starts with a quarterback. Got to find one. But all those other elements obviously come together are going to make us great. Well, uh, former Raider and uh, big personality Marquette King just tweeted a bit ago that he's in the draft pool. He's eligible to play in the league. <laughs> I'm not proposing that you pick him, though. Here's what I'm saying. No punts, no field goals. Let's go. Let's just go. Yeah, let's do it. I think that I think that the fans are going to be really embrace the the rules and some of the tweaks that we'll have from an excitement standpoint on offense and and special teams, the kicking game, all those things. I get it. You don't want any of it, and that's fine. But 
there are elements of the game that are exciting. Obviously, kickoff returns are exciting, and we want to make it better. So you'll see how these rules unravel here when the rule book comes out, and we'll talk about those things as, as the uh, okay. fall goes on into training camp in January. But, yeah, listen, it's been great being a part of that. You know, we've, we've had some discussions, obviously, or in our meetings on how we can tweak things, and everybody's brought something great to the table. And, and like you said, you got your team in, in Las Vegas. I'm excited uh, for, for, uh, for Woodson and what he's going to bring to the table. I think he's a great mind. He's a great leader. And uh, it's only going to make the league thrive. Talking football, talking XFL. Anthony Becht is with us, former NFL player, former NFL tight end with the uh, the Jets, the Bucks, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Chiefs. One more question about who you are as a coach. I've talked a lot about the NFL kind of changing directions. And you can go traditional and kind of hire the big galoot, the big lug, you know, like a Dan Campbell. Or you can go with the cerebral guy, <laughs> like a Staley or a Mike McDaniel, you know, the nerd. Where I think, I actually think fans are going to have a, I think they're going to have a little tough time adjusting to McDaniel. Because he's, he's a really interesting personality. But it sounds like you want to be, can you be both? Can you be yes. a big lug yes. and a nerd? Well, I, I can be I can be demanding. Okay. Uh, I can be a guy that that players will respect. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for a high level of detail on my team. I want guys to be smart, and you know, sometimes you know you're gonna have to take a little extra time with guys. But if I, you know, listen, I got to put my foot down. I can put my foot down, but you yeah. know, traditionally, I just want to be able to, to to make that connection with my guys, so that each and every one of them go through a wall for me, and that's important. So that's my job to get that done. I think it starts with. At the top, with the staff that you put together, I have some awesome names, obviously, outside the ones that we've already announced. Bruce Gorkowski being the OC and, nice. and, and yeah. Donnie Abraham being the DC. But really excited to kind of you know let the fan base know and the players know who's going to be on my staff because that's going to be ultimately going to be important. But, yeah, listen, I got it all, man. I can have fun. I can joke. <laughs> I can be uh, demanding. I can, I can bring presents. I'm 6'6". I'm a big guy. So yeah, I'll be one of the bigger guys on the field, even with the players on the field. So, all those things, I think you have to have a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, you're not. I can't be the guy that's going to be your buddy, but we will have a, a good working relationship, and guys will respect it. So, uh, when those times come, when and things need to be done, they'll get done. But uh, this is my first go around. I'm going to have a great staff around me to help lead me in certain directions. I'm going to have driven coaches. I'm going to have sprinkling some experience. I'm going to sprinkle in some guys that are rising, and uh, it's, it's really an exciting time for me. And can't wait to get started. So I mentioned Campbell. The Lions are on Hard Knocks. The debut is tonight. Uh, Adam and I love the show. We when we you know we go to football practices here in town with UNLV and with the Raiders. Like we get a real kick out of it. As a former player, when you watch Hard Knocks, like do you get juiced up? Does it does it mean something to you? It does. I think it's okay. cool. You know, I mean, look, they go into all aspects. You go in the in the homes of players, and and you go on the drive-alongs and all these different things. Uh, I love seeing the, the the football stuff. I love when fans get to see the meeting rooms get to see the engagement, yep. get to see some of the guys talking. Those are the things for me that I miss that gives me goosebumps. You know, if they want to go inside the home of a player, all oh, that's good. I know that life. But guys, you know, fans want to see that stuff. But, man, you get to see those things happen on a day-to-day basis, decisions getting made, how guys react to certain situations. Obviously, as a head coach, you know, Dan Campbell's got to deal with other things on his plate than just football, right? So that that's those all those things you get to see behind the scenes. So uh, it's great. I mean, look, Dan – Dan comes from a world where, you know, he was a kind of a uh, all-around complete tight end when he played. He was a year older than me. I think he was a 99 draft, and, you know, we were kind of right there when I came out. And, you know, there, there's, there's aspects of his game that were true and hard to how I was as a player. So I, I love the fact that he's out there doing his thing. 
And, uh, you know, it only grows the brand, but it's really sweet. Well, just so you know, my co-host Adam is soulless. Like, he doesn't really care about anything or anyone. But he does cry once a year. Adam, you want to tell him when you cry? Yeah, cut day. On hard knocks. Yeah. He loses it. Cut day's rough. You know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, you know, to to squash someone's dreams, and hopefully they get a chance somewhere else. But it's a a big deal. I mean, these guys have poured their heart and soul their entire life to get to that point. And, uh, and now you're with the best in the world. And ultimately, you're trying to be in that room with the 53 guys and, and the practice squad players. So, yeah, it's intense, man. It's, it's going to be tough. And we'll have a similar situation for us. I mean, you know, we'll have those cameras in there. We'll have those meetings. And, uh, but, again, you know, to, to just get there and, and have a chance to be uh, one of the 90 in training camps, a hell of an accomplishment. But to make the 53, that, that's impressive. So let's go back to The Rock, or DJ as you call him, and, and the XFL. <laughs> One of my wishes for the XFL. I don't XFL, recommend you say that to him initially. So uh, it, no, I get it. comes get a, in the studio and does some stuff. But yeah, DJ, exactly. I get a clothesline. Um, what Adam and I are hoping for is that his character from Ballers is applied to leading the XFL. Because one of the things I found fascinating was he started to kind of go into that whole high school football player thing. What would you think if the XFL you just kind of broke all the rules, right? And they're like, we're going to sign the top 20 high school seniors. We want them in the XFL. Would you want to coach kids that young? Could they play with guys who are on the fringe of the NFL, edge NFL players? Uh, no. Listen, there's a maturation level physically and mentally that if any sport, football is, is at a premium. Uh, you know, listen, I have a son that just – you know, he's going to Iowa State quarterback. There's no way he could play at this level, uh, at this at this mindset and physicality-wise. So there's a growth process. I mean, clearly you get a couple years under you. Uh, you know, you talk about the league. They, you have, I believe, what three years in college to actually get into the league. I mean, those, those are those are the probably the route what I'd stick in, in, in as far as the maturation process. But there's no way I don't think you'll ever have. Uh, at least in the sport of football, high school guys playing at a professional level. So no way, like an Arch Manning could do it. No, no way. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, look, my kid's a quarterback, so I get to see that level and see like how those quarterbacks are. Just they're they're not ready. There's no way. I mean, they're barely ready for college. I mean, we all see them and we publicize them. And we put them on you know Instagram and all these different highlights. But man, they're doing it against you know some kids now that are you know they're kids. I mean, they're just they're not even there yet. So there's no way that those guys can compete at that level. You know, it's hard enough in college to get acclimated, but you're going to have some of those freaks in natures that come in. I mean, you know, guys that, you know, the 14-year-old uh, defensive lineman that looks like he's 25 years old, but those are far <laughs> few in between. Uh, for most of the guys, there, there's no way, even just from a, men, men, a mental side, just that maturity level, it's, there's no way they compete, can compete at that level. Your son is Rocco, right? He is, yes. Okay, he got offered by – I always find this intriguing. So he's going to Iowa State, good program, and it looks like he kind of has maybe a little bigger size than Brock Purdy, but, you know, in that he's not 6'5". Um, but he got offered by schools of all levels, like Ole Miss, and then he also got Ivy League offers. So w- when you were making a decision, like, what do you tell him? Well, you know, Ivy League's interesting. That's a conversation you sit down and have with your child. I mean, because, yeah. you know, to have that kind of education – uh, I think that's a really good football league. A lot of good players have come out of there. If they want to play at the next level, they've had the opportunity. But, you know, coming from an Ivy League, you have that, that nest egg of just the opportunities that are there for you. So you sit down, you have a conversation. Clearly, though, you know, his route was he wanted to, you know, he wants to play big-time football. 
He wants to go out there and see what he can do, compete. And, uh, you know, he's a smart kid. He can get a great education at really any college he goes to because he applies himself in the classroom. So, you know, you have those uh, full gamut of conversation. I think the one thing for me that I was help, able to help him bring to the table is, you know, these discussions happened early. You know, when he got his first offers after his sophomore year, you start thinking about, okay, like, how does this work? What are the criteria going to be? Like, what's going to be important? You know, obviously the roster, you know, who's there? You know, the, what's the depth chart look like? You know, what, what are the opportunities from an education standpoint? You know, uh, are they, you know, in a division or are they competitive? Do they have great coaches? I think Matt Campbell is one of the best in the business. Is he going to stick around? Is he going to be there <laughs> yeah. when I'm a senior? Those are big factors as well. So I believe all those things check those boxes at that place, and ultimately that helped them. But, yeah, man, you talk about all the schools. I mean, to, to talk you know, to talk to a Harvard and a Penn, I mean, that that's just the fact that they're, you know, they, they feel like you fit that mold as a student and an athlete is awesome. Anthony, we always appreciate your time. Congrats on this job. We're really looking forward to the XFL. So we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Anthony Beck, longtime tight end in the National Football League. So he says he can be both big galoot and nerd. I like that. Tough. That's a tough line to uh, kind of go back and forth between. If your son was a six foot one, 190-pound quarterback, Iowa State, Ole Miss, Harvard, Penn, New Mexico, Marshall, what do you do? Uh, Columbia. I mean, Harvard, Penn, and Columbia are pretty the, the scourge of the Ivy. And Brown. Stopped. This is and like Brown. Josh Allen. Every, <laughs> if I bring up anyone other than Yale when we talk Ivy League, I mean, he could have gone Brown, even worse. Uh, yeah, it's a, it depends. It depends on you know if I thought that there was a fairly good chance he was going to be playing in the NFL, it would probably be you know Iowa State. That's probably the place to go, or or one of the you know one of the major schools. But if you don't, I think the Ivy League is probably the the sensible thing to do for your kid. Man, that's a good quarterback name, isn't it? Yeah. Rocco Beck. Rocco! Right? Real nice. Good. Real nice. Well, we wish him luck at Iowa State. You know, it's funny. Every time, uh, you know, we start talking to someone and, her, you know, their son was an elite recruit, I don't know why I like to get, I get mad. Didn't go to UNLV? Yeah. Or Rutgers. True. We'll see how it works out. Listen, we know with quarterbacks now, I'm not saying the kid's going to leave Iowa State before he's even started, but the quarterback market every year seems freaking completely insane, and uh, kids don't want to stay around two, three years and wait their turn. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Good conversation there with uh, Anthony Becht, former tight end in the National Football League, going to be one of the XFL coaches. We're going to have a team. Rod Woodson is the coach, and there's star-studded uh, coaching groups. Uh, Bob Stoops is going to be running the team in uh, Dallas slash Arlington. So that'll be interesting. And we're both looking forward to the XFL. And I, yeah. I, I do believe there does need to be a solid minor league in the spring that can sort of indirectly feed the National Football League. There needs to be more, you know, pro football out there below the NFL. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So at UNLV practice today, our buddy Mark McMillan, who's on the show on Fridays, uh, spoke to the team. You know, good candidate. Mark is a guy who's a complete overachiever at 5'8", played in the NFL for eight, nine years, played on some great Eagles defenses, also played at Alabama, right? His trip or his path to Alabama was unusual because he was in Southern California. That's where he grew up. Didn't get the offers he wanted. Goes Juco. He's an elite Juco player. And even then, 
Like USC and UCLA were kind of like, eh, lukewarm. Alabama. Right? So it's a good story to tell. So anyway, I, I, I didn't hear exactly what he was saying because he was off, you know, in a, to the distance, off far away. But I heard Reggie White a bunch of times. And I was saying to someone else, I'm like, you guys know who Reggie White is? 18, 19-year-old? Like, you know, we're old. Yeah. Right? So you were telling me Matthew Butler, the rookie for the Raiders, like, was talking about the Hall of Fame and how cool it was and was, like, somewhat knowledgeable about football history. Looked really into it. Just from the Hall of Fame perspective, it was great. I grew up watching football, really. So when you see a D lineman like Deacon Jones, who, I mean, he played way back when, before I was alive, I know who that is. And I, and when you see the guys who are part of the Fierce and Foursome with the team in California, that's great. You know, it's really inspiring. But nonetheless, you just take it day by day and you keep your head down and, and be the best version of you every day. That's cool. Yeah, Very cool. And later he was, he was asked about Reggie White because he played at Tennessee, and uh, that, that tie-in certainly helped. It was awesome, but at the same time, like, Reggie White made his soul rest in peace. I see that guy, like, every day, basically, at Tennessee. He's always been inspiring to me. A great man to his teammates. Everybody say he was a great leader, both at Tennessee and with the teams that he played for in the NFL. And, you know, that, that's what I aspire to, just be a great football player and be uh, a blessing to those around me. Yeah, the appreciation for history is certainly very cool. Uh, from Matthew Butler, and he's getting a chance. To, he's getting a lot of reps right now. Uh, obviously, the projected two starters at defensive tackle, uh, both still on the uh, pup list, so they haven't been out there at all. So, a lot of the young guys getting some run, getting an opportunity to kind of you know make an impression here before the start of the season. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Reminder: On Thursday, we're back on the road. Silver Sevens is the spot. That's every Thursday. We go three to six. Once Thursday night football is around for the NFL, we go two to five. Happy hour starts at 3 o'clock, 277 on pints, shots, and margaritas. Their big giveaway of August is their Wednesday great gas card giveaway. 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock, every 15 minutes, gas cards. Easy as that. And they've redesigned and rebranded the Sterling Spoon City Cafe. That was always a great restaurant. That was always a great food place, Silver oh, yeah. 7. So Flamingo in Paradise, go check out the restaurant. They've got tremendous special there, as I will personally attest to. The chicken fingers, oh, boy, they were good. The fries were good, too. I have no doubt. I got dogged on for ordering uh, chicken fingers in sort of a business meeting. Nothing wrong with it. Be comfortable with who you are. I'd say if you haven't gone in a while, go back. Give another try. It's totally different. Yeah. Yeah, when you go upstairs, it's completely different. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So weird one to close out on because, um, well, you know, the NBA chatter is mostly about Kevin Durant. Guys do play in the offseason. What exactly was on the video I was watching with Paolo Bancaro and who else? Uh, DeJounte Murray. Okay. They were just going at it in a, in a pro-am game, and it was no big deal. It's cool. Okay. And there was some one-upsmanship a little bit. There was some, you know, not as bad as uh, Royce O'Neal put his mom on the floor, but... You know, there there was some, you know, some guy, some getting the one up of, of the other one, and then there was just some back and forth on Instagram. Everybody thought it was jokes because they're friends and they were playing in this program together. Everything seemed okay, but now it's kind of spiraled out to a new level to where it got kind of nasty, and now there's the proposal out there for them to schedule the first game of the season against each other because everybody wants to see this this oh revo- resolution to this. I'm here for it. We need rivalries in the NBA. How ready are you for the NBA to Zero. start soon? And, Zero. And VGK here on the ground. Zero. But we had a good conversation yesterday about 
Robin Leonard and games played this year. We'll have to get into that tomorrow. I could not set the number low enough, and I'm, I hope Robin Leonard plays 60 games this year. I don't think that's going to happen, but I could not set that number low enough yesterday for Willie to take the bet. Oh, boy.